Aum. 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 Is this uncomfortable yet? Aum. When I say the word meditation, what do you think of? I think many of us would think of some posture like that. We think of like the Eastern form of meditation where, where like it stresses the, the need to detach from the world, right? To, to lose yourself, to, to uh, disconnect yourself from, from, from pain and, and from, from uh, hardship. Right to escape like this miserable wheel of existence. To there's no God to attach to. There is no God to hear from. Welcome to Meadows Church. We're here to make you feel great about yourself. Right. So that's meditation in many Eastern cultures. It's not what true Christian meditation is. I'm so glad you're here for this series. God is going to show us some amazing things. Eastern. Meditation is a, the goal is to empty the mind. Now, now for some, that, that isn't hard to do, right? I, I love Nebraska, you know that, um, but I haven't always lived here. And my first exposure to Nebraska was small town Nebraska. And I have to tell you that it was something I'll never forget. I lived in South Dakota, I was in college. Um, one of our first friends in our group got married. He married a girl from a small town, Nebraska. So, of course, we're all over the place now, and we go to this small town to celebrate uh, his wedding. And when you go to a wedding like that, you meet people from all over because people travel from all over to celebrate. So after the wedding, we're at the reception, and, and we're uh, talking to each other, and they're like, oh, where, where are you from, or where do you live, where do you live, where do you go to school? And there was this one guy sitting there, and I mean, I hate to judge, but I, but I did. And he looked hillbilly. I mean, so I, I, but I asked him, I said, hey, what about you? Where are you from? Thinking he was going to give me a town or a country. And uh, he didn't. I, I said, where are you from? And he said, the country. And I said, oh, you're a simple man. You know, it had a deliverance vibe. If you're under 35, you have no idea. And don't Google it either, because it's not good. But uh, he, he was th the country, and I'm like, wow. He was local. He was telling me that he didn't live in that small town, but he lived out in the country. And, uh, and I'm not going to tell you. I mean, I'm not here to tell you like, what small town that was, but, but I'll tell you. It was Ainsworth, and I don't know if I'll ever go back. It was just strange. So, it, but it was the emptying of the mind is what the Eastern culture would want to do in meditation, it's the opposite, is the Christian um, definition. Our version, Jesus' version of meditation, is to fill the mind. It is to fill the mind, and I'll be more specific, and man, we're getting right into the meat right away. Christian meditation is the ability to hear, say hear, hear God's voice and obey his word. It isn't simply emptying the mind. Oh, it's not. It is to fill the mind, actually. And by the way, think about what we just said there. Think about that for a second. The God of the universe, the maker of the heavens and the earth, wants to connect with you personally. He wants to hear from you. He wants to speak to you. But there's a problem. For him to speak to us and for us to hear him, we need to listen. 
And I don't know about you, but that can be difficult. I mean, we're in church. We should be honest. Let's just, by show of hands, how many of you would admit you sometimes have a hard time listening, right? Yeah, some of you. I see some wives trying to pull your husband's hand up. I get it. Uh, you know, uh, maybe you've heard the saying, um, if you don't have anything nice to say, oh, no, no, no. If you don't have anything nice to say, say it to your husband. He's not listening anyway, right? So that's, that's the saying. Listening can be a struggle. See, the enemy, we have an enemy. He wants to kill, seal, and destroy anything good in your life. But you know what else he does? He'll do anything to block God's voice from you. And he has strategy. And three of the strategies are so common that he uses. Um, Hurry, noise, and busy. Those three, he loves those. I've said it before, devil don't care if you're bad as long as you're busy. And let's face it, we're busy. We almost pride ourselves on how busy we are. Oh my gosh, I had to do this, and then I did this, and then I ran there, and oh, I could never, my schedule's so busy, right? Because, because that's the culture we live in. We're busy, and, and we just need to do more, and we need to achieve more so we can have more, because if we have more, well, we can do more. And that is the cycle so many of us live in. And that is what's normal. Normal is exhausted. Normal is stressed out. Meadows, you don't want to be normal. I mean, help me preach. Turn to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, you're not normal, right? Type in the comments, you're not normal. Now, they've heard that before, but it's good to hear it from you. You're not normal. You don't want to be normal. I mean, think about it. See, think about how, how weird it would seem for someone to come up to you and they're, they're not stressed and they're not busy and they're not talking about their schedule, but they're just relaxed and they're just laid back. They're just chillax, and they're like, yeah, whatever. I mean, when someone walks up to me and they're like that, my first thought is, you just smoked weed, didn't you? That's my first thought. You can tell me I'm a pastor. It's okay. But I mean, but here's the thing. In the Word of God, love the Word of God. You get it every week, don't you? Jesus has never hurried, ever. We never see him frantic about anything, really. Jesus has never rushed or so busy that he's running around crazy? He never is. Yet, did Jesus accomplish everything that the Father wanted him to do? Mm-hmm. Did Jesus live his God-given purpose? Yeah. Was Jesus spiritually fit? Yes. Church, we're in a series called Spiritual Fitness 101. We're learning from the Word of God how we can be fit in our walk with Jesus. Because if we're not fit... We'll never make it. So, we look at something called spiritual disciplines. In week one, we looked at prayer. Say prayer. We, we actually learned from a prophet named Elijah about the power of prayer. Last week, we looked at fasting. And some of you, like me, we fasted last week, and we're going to fast again this week, and you can join us. Uh, this week, we're looking at meditation. doesn't get talked about a lot, and it's not even what we think it is. We're already learning that. But the story that I'm going to get into today for you, it's so good, this journey. It's almost a continuation of Elijah in week one. So if you weren't here, or maybe you forgot, Elijah, this prophet in the Old Testament, he had such power through God that he called down fire from heaven, and it consumed the offering on an altar. I mean, it was amazing. Right after that, he calls on God again to turn on the rain after it hadn't rained for over three years. God did it. So this prophet, 
I mean, this is just epic what is going on in Elijah's life. Check this out. Moments later, I mean, he's on a mountaintop, literally. Moments later, he is basically suicidal. It is crazy how life, and some of you get it, it can go from so good to so bad so quick. So, so what happened is, after Elijah got the rain to start coming again, his, the arch enemy was King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, mainly Jezebel. And she said, this prophet is nothing but a pain. I wanna, I, I want, I'm going to kill him. I need him dead. So Elijah gets word of that, and he freaks out. All that faith he had calling down fire, it's gone. Hey, can you relate? Oh, I'm so faith-filled, and then it's over. I'm preaching out of 1 Kings 19, verse 3. I love when you bring your Bibles. I love when you follow along. We'll put it on the screen, but I love you owning the Word of God. Elijah was afraid. He fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. That's not wise because now he's isolating. See what we do when we're in fear, when we're scared? He isolates himself even more. Then he went on alone, there it is, into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sits down under a solitary broom tree and prayed. I love that he's praying, but listen to what he prays, that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. Just kill me. I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Elijah, how do you go from where you were to, to asking God to just, and, but we can't judge Elijah, can we? Don't act like you haven't been there, right? It's easy to be full of the Holy Spirit and pumped up on a, a Sunday at a church service, right? We're all like, yeah, I raise a hallelujah. Woo! All your promises are yes and amen. Walk out of here. 30 minutes later, Cracker Barrel tells you they're done serving brunch, and you're like, why? When Cracker Barrel has forsaken me. I mean, we just... It's easy for us just to lose it when we were so full of it at one time in the Spirit and we act like we never heard about it an hour later. That's where Elijah was. He wanted to die. He wanted to die. God, kill me. Verse 5, he lays down and he sleeps. He's exhausted under that broom tree. As he was sleeping, an angel touched and told him, okay, don't miss it. An angel shows up to Elijah Remember what Elijah just did? He prayed. Now his prayer was jacked up and, and, and all wrong, but God honors the fact that he even went to him. See, we should thank God for the prayers he doesn't answer according to the way we pray. You know what I'm saying? So Elijah prays. God says, my, my, my son is hurting. Sends an angel. The angel talks to Elijah and says, get up and eat. So he looked around, and right beside his head, there's some bread right there waiting for him. Right next to the bread, there's a jar of water. He eats, he drinks, he's still tired, he lays back down. The angel of the Lord came again. Oh, God, you're so good. And he touched him and said, get up, eat some more. The journey ahead of you will be too much otherwise. Elijah is, is trekking to Mount Sinai. The epic mountain of God, you know, the Ten Commandments, Moses, all that. 200, 250 miles away. Eat, otherwise it'll be too much. Verse 8, so he got up and he ate and he drank 
And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights. What does that tell you? It tells you he fasted. That's what it tells you. So let's see the formula. He prays. It's jacked up prayer, but he's still talking to God. He fasts 40 days, 40 nights. I actually don't recommend. That would have been some supernatural fasting to get him through that. Just like the Lord did. Just like Moses did for 40 days. So he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. As he heads to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There when he arrived, he came to a cave, the word of God says, and he spends the night. He prays, he fasts, and God speaks. It's all over the word of God, this formula. It's not hidden. It's not a mystery. It is a proven revelation, what God will do. But the Lord talks to Elijah, and he says, Elijah, as he's in the cave, what are you doing here? And Elijah's like, well, I have zealously served you, God. You know that. I've served you, the God Almighty. But the people of Israel, heathens, have broken the covenant with you. They've torn down altars, God. They've killed um, every one of your prophets. Like, I'm the only one left, God. And now they're trying to kill me too. Think about that. That last sentence gets me. You talk about assuming. As we get further into this conversation, you know what God would tell Elijah? You're not the only one. Like, there's 7,000 at least people who have never bowed down to another God. They serve me. But, but in, his, in his isolation, in his depression, he is thinking, we assume the worst, he's thinking, I'm the only one left. This is like me when I'm driving, and I think, I'm the only one who knows how to truly drive a car. Like, I'm at, God, there, are no, there is nobody else. I tell Ava, I tell you that all the time, drive like your dad. I'll tell you a few weeks ago, I always get worried when she drives, and she's a good driver, right? Um, but I'm always like, Ava, be a defensive driver. You have to assume everybody else is a moron and doesn't know what they're doing, and you have to drive and not get, you know, be careful. And it was three weeks ago, there was a little bit of snow coming down, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Ava, do not get into a wreck. Do not get into a wreck. I'm like praying over her. She gets in her car. I'm like, God, I have this weird feeling that something's going to happen. So I get in my car to run errands. 30 minutes later, go figure, this happens. Okay? The problem is, that's not Ava's car. That's my car. Okay? Yeah. Ava's like, Dad, were you being a defensive driver? I said, Ava, do you want to sleep indoors tonight? I mean, sir, I don't. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, that was not my fault. That was not my fault. I need you to know that. The lady that hit me, I invited her to church. She did not come, but here we are. Um, all right. I did invite her. Uh, I forgot where I was. Okay, so, okay, so Elijah, that's right. So he's crying out to God. He's, he's, he's assuming, see, when we're in our self-pity, when we get depressed, when we get anxious, when we get isolated, remember, servant, you stay here. I got the trek by myself. We, we many times will wallow in self-pity. And self-pity will always cause us to exaggerate or assume the worst. It always does. It did for Elijah, a man of God. So, so God speaks to Elijah. Listen to this. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. Just picture it. 
It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there's an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. I wonder how many times we miss it. How many times I've missed it. A gentle whisper, the Lord speaking, me being too, too busy doing what I think I need to do. How many times do we miss it? Elijah hears the word of God in a gentle whisper. I love that. See, we tend to think that God's only going to reveal himself in these big epic moments, right? The, the, the big rallies where ever thousands are together, the huge concerts, the, 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 the gargantuan events where the, there's the incredible speakers and the well-known pastors, and they're always like screaming from the stage. I mean, why do these guys got to scream so much? It's like, dude, we can hear you. I hate those kind of pastors. But anyway, so yeah, but it, how many times we miss the still small voice, this gentle whisper. I wrote it down. God is often found gently, gently whispering in the quietness. But if you and I never put ourselves in those situations to hear him, well, we'll never hear him. I want to give you something so practical that you'll take with you today you can implement immediately. Meditating will change your life if you do it. If you just take a moment, moments during the day. I want, I want to teach you about two forms of meditation that are going to be so simple, and then I'm going to teach you tips on how to do them. Actually, I'm not. God, God is through his word. I'm just going to relate to you. Two types of meditation as you get alone with God. The first is you can meditate on God's past provision. What does that mean? You're thinking about the things that God has done in your past. You're thinking about the times that God has showed up. Psalm 143.5, I remember the days of old. I meditate, say meditate, yeah, I meditate on all your great works and think about what you have done. I mean, has the Lord done anything in your life worth pondering, worth praising? You know, like the time that, that, that you asked God for help and God showed up. The time that you prayed that prayer, that last-ditch effort prayer, and God answered it. Or, or like Elijah, that time you were down and out, and you cashed it in, and you thought it was all over, and God reminded you, hey, it's not over until I say it's over. That's what God told you. And you're like, okay, I'm in the fight with him. God, we're in this together. Has God done it in your life? So I love this meditation because... It's your story. No one else can meditate in the same way like this because you're reflecting on what God has done in your life. I would encourage you, you write those things down before you meditate or as you meditate. They'll come to you, I promise. This, this I would say, meditate this way when you need encouragement. When you're feeling like, like Elijah felt. Meditate on God's past provision. It will fill you, not empty you, it will fill you. Number two, meditate on Scripture. I'll park here for a little longer. Meditating on Scripture, if meditating on God's past provision is about getting, like, encouragement, then meditating on God's 
Scripture would be about direction and guidance. This is what you're asking God. So, so I wrote, well, let's go to the word first. It says in Joshua 1.8, I love this. Study this book of instruction continually. This is God to Moses, or to, excuse me, to Joshua. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so, so you will be sure to, oh, what? Obey. What's meditation? You hear God's word and you obey it. So you will obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper. Only then will you succeed. We, we rack our brains year after year. God, why am I not seeing provision? God, why, why is my life not changing? Why am I not being successful like the Word of God talks about this abundance? Read this instruction carefully. Meditate on it day and night. Do what it says. How many of you, probably talking to the guys, but not necessarily, have, have ever forego the instructions? It's like, you know, I don't need to read those. I got this. <laughs> I, I see heads, heads nodding. And those of us who do that, we've got about 14 half-done projects at our house. It's like, read the instruction. Know what the Word of God says. Listen to me. When you listen to God and you do what He says, your life will change. I promise you. I promise you. When you still yourself before God, it's not easy to do because we're not used to that. We're used to crazy and chaos. And the first thing I'm going to do isn't going to be to meditate on God in the, in the morning. I'm going to grab my phone. I need, to check, I need to check Instagram. I need to check Facebook. I need to go on TikTok. I need to, this is, this, that's what the first thing we do to feed ourselves. And I'm probably as guilty as anybody a lot of days. God has something new. God has something different. So there's two types of meditation that we're talking about today. Past provision, your life. God's scripture, you take a piece of scripture. So tips on how to do those things. Number one, I think you need to, you need to get yourself alone. You need to get yourself in a place that is, that is uh, quiet. Right? I, how did I write it down? I said, Schedule a specific time and place where you're least likely to be interrupted or distracted. Now, a lot of, a lot of you moms specifically, you're, you work from home or you're, you're a stay-at-home mom, it's hard to do. I get it. You would think that the one safe haven we have is the bathroom. It's, you laugh. It's not. Kids, they know. As soon as you sit down and lock the door, there's 17 of them. Who's in here? What are you beating on the door? I mean, basically threatening you. Fingers underneath the door like an alien coming to get you. You know what I'm talking about? So the bathroom is not safe. You already know that. So find a different spot where you can get alone and you're uninterrupted, but you have to schedule it. I tell my leaders all the time, schedule what's not what's urgent, but what's important. Because if you don't schedule what's important, I guarantee you somebody else will for you. And your life will be about all kinds of reactions. And that's how you'll live your entire day. You don't want that. Don't let the world dictate how you're going to schedule your time. You do it with God. You get alone with him. And it, I mean, just 10 minutes. So, so meditating on Scripture Talking about that for a second, we're, we're, we're alone, we found an undistracted place, kids don't know where we're at, and, and you open the Word of God, 
and, and how do you do it? I would say, and if you're in a purpose group, you know this term, use soap. Soap is a, a method that isn't like original to Meadows. This is, I learned this going to Oklahoma Wesleyan University for ministry, and soap is, uh, well, it stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Our, our discipleship groups, our purpose groups, we do it every day. But, but you, even if you're not in a group, you can do it as you meditate. You pick a scripture. I, I, if you don't know where to go, where, where, where do I tell you to go? The Gospels. Start there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Pick one verse. Pick two verse. Whatever you want to do. Pick it and just and, and say, God, I, you read it a few times and just be quiet. God, speak to me. And ask yourself these questions as you observe and apply two questions that cover this. God, what do you want me to know? And God, what do you want me to do? That's it. God, what do you want me to know here? And God, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to know you're speaking to me? What do you want me to do? I'm obeying. That, don't overcomplicate it. Don't overcomplicate it. You know, how you, get, you know how you get better at meditating? By meditating. The more you do it, the more, the more you'll get out of it. I promise you. The primary requirement, not just for meditation, church, but for any of the spiritual disciplines that we're talking about, is a longing after God. See, that's been my prayer for you this week and for me. You got, God, you give Meadows Church. You give us you and you and, and you and you. You give us a longing after you. That's different than what the world has, but we're, we're to be different. To have a desire. To have, I wrote down, to have a desire to hear God's voice in the busyness, in the struggle, in the mess, in the indecision, in the chaos. God, I long after you. If you truly long after God, you will schedule 10 minutes. God, I'm alone with you. Today, it's about encouragement. I remember that day you did that. I remember when I prayed and you did. I remember when I was in that relationship and you rescued me from that weirdo. Thank you, God. You're so good. You know, you reflect on past provision or the days you need direction and guidance. You open the word of God and you read the book of Mark. And, and, and it talks about the love the father had for his children and how he, how he would pray over them. And you're like, God, if you pray over them, well, then you're praying over me. That's what you want me to know. What do I do? Maybe you want me to pray over somebody. I'm mean, telling you, it will happen only if you will do it. A gentle whisper. By the way, to kind of put closure to Elijah. So Elijah cries out, and then God speaks in a gentle whisper. You know what God told Elijah? Direction. He said, Elijah, you need to go and anoint this person as king of there. Go anoint this person king of there. And go find Elisha. Elijah, because he's the next you. He's going to take your place as the next prophet of God. And you know what the Bible says happened next? Elijah went and found Elisha. In other words, Elijah listened to God in a still, small voice, and he did what he said. My word for 2023 is listen. 
I, t- I said last week that I was going to share something with you going on in my life, and if it affects me, it impacts my family, of course. It's, it's um, God is so crazy, like how he'll speak in a gentle whisper. Uh, a couple months ago, I was, dr- actually, it just d- got done with the guys at our purpose group, our discipleship group. On a Tuesday night, and I'm driving home, and all of a sudden, I couldn't hear anything out of my right ear. And I'm like, what in the heck? So I go home, and I was talking to my, my wife, Jody. I'm like, I don't know, it's probably just wax or something, you know, how you get that. So I, I got the kit, you know, and I was, oh, I'm, I sprayed so hard, I almost shot a hole right through my brain. It pro- I probably did more damage than good, but I'm like, ah, it's probably wax. Did that three times. <laughs> it wasn't wax. So I'm like, oh, it's probably an infection. In fact, when I went to the doctor, the doctor said, it was an infection. I'm like, cool. Gave me antibiotics, took them for 10 days, still couldn't hear. So I go back to the doctor, and I'm like, I don't. And they're, and they're puzzled. So then they send me to a, you know, an ENT specialist, and um, they look, and they don't see anything. It looks normal, and they do a hearing test. And the, they come back, and they say, yeah, it shows a you know, profound hearing loss, but, but, I, but I can't elaborate. I'm not a doctor. I can just tell you what the test said. So then the doctors come in after the test, and I'm like, okay, what's up? And they're like, well, you know, yeah, it shows that your left ear's normal and your right ear's way down here. And I'm like, I said, well, you know, what's going on? And they said, well, we can, just the way she said it, she said, we can do a, a steroid shots in your eardrum. And that's as painful as it sounds, trust me, because I did three of them. Yeah. So, so they do steroid, but, but you guys listen to me. The way she said it, I could tell. Because they don't want to come out and just say it. But I'm like, because I went into the office thinking, okay, there, there's something, there's something, you know, they'll connect something. I don't know. I just, I never dreamed, as I sat in the doctor chair, that, that she would basically tell me, you're completely deaf in your right ear. And I'm like, you don't mean permanently. And she didn't say yes, but I could tell when she said, well, there, there's this outside chance we do these shots and in a rare instance, you know, miracle from God, it may return slightly. I could just, I'm like, and this is what's embarrassing. So I'm sitting there, and you guys, right in front of the PA, the physician's assistant, and the nurse, I, I just break down. And there's so many worse things. Like, you, you might even laugh at that because you're like, my God, I've go, I'm going through this, and I, I'm sick, and my friend, I, I know. That's why this isn't, I'm not like, oh, poor me. I mean, God gave us two ears. Praise God. It's not a huge deal. But in that moment, when the reality hit me, I'm like, I never dream. I mean, so, I, so she's like, we'll leave you alone. You know, they put the lights down. I mean, it must, people must, I must not be the only one that maybe got emotional. And as I'm sitting there, and this is the same time that a prayer warrior just died of cancer on our Meadows, our Meadows prayer team. And I don't think God was like, see, you wimp, I mean, you're bawling over this and you, you don't have cancer. But I don't, God wasn't doing that. God was just helping me reflect and understand and put things in perspective. It's changed my life completely, though, I'll tell you that. This is, so, so listen to me. In, in, in noisy situations, I, I hear nothing. It, it's just nothing. So if you've ever been with me in the Welcome Center in the last two months and you like, talk to me or said something and I ignored you, 
Okay, it's not because I don't like you. Well, it could be. But, but anyway, it's, you know, who knows? No, it's because I didn't hear you. Last weekend, uh, uh, a couple was checking in four kids in the kids' ministry. My wife, Jody, who checks in kids, she was just probably cringing. Because here I am. I want to get people's name. I want to value people. Because I, I, I care about, I, I truly care. And I'm like, I said, oh, your name. She repeats it back. And oh, she goes, no, it's this. So I got it wrong. And then the, her husband gave his name. I repeat it back. Oh, for two. All four kids. I kid you not. Every one of the kids, and I'm, I'm dumb enough to try to repeat them back, all for six. I was just like, oh my God. I was just, so, Jody's like, just, just stop. You know, I, I'm trying to get their name. So if you're in the room and that was you, okay, <laughs> sorry. So dumb, so dumb. But Jody, my wife, at the end of the year, after it's been happening for about a month and a half, she's like, maybe God is wanting you because I have to listen really intently to hear somebody. Like, I really have to, like, it hurts. I have to really focus because I can't hear. And uh, Jody said, maybe God wants you to listen more intently. And I said, Jody, maybe God wants you to... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she nailed it. Like, like, I think the Lord spoke through her. Because I, I wasn't... I'm, I don't think before that I was a great listener. I, I really don't, especially maybe to kids and family. So busy pastoring a church, got to do all this stuff, you know. And I truly believe God allowed my hearing to leave to draw me closer to him, to you, to my family. Now, God, I ain't saying I want to stay this way. I, I will take the miracle. Thank you very much. And you pray for that because I want my hearing back. But while I don't have it, I'm going to praise God because he's good. And he's always teaching things. The more you read the word of God, the more you see people suffering, the more you see people struggle. If that's you, I pray that this story, as trivial as it even is, one of my friends texted me, that's why God gave you two ears. I'm like, amen. Praise God. Whatever you're going through, God cares. And he loves you. So as we close, let's do this. I want to do something to help you. Know, ponder, and meditate on the goodness of God. I'm going to put up Philippians 4, 8. What do I meditate on? Paul says, Brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good, anything of virtue, anything praiseworthy, worthy, meditate on those things. We have so much to be grateful for. We have so much to be thankful for. And by the way, this hearing thing isn't all bad. Like, I'll use it to my advantage. Like, I, I mean, I'm still, you know, God's working on me. I'm at home. Jody's like, hey, can you, can you empty out the dishwasher? I'm like, what's that, honey? And she's like, can you empty out the dishwasher? I'm saying, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't. And then she, she, and then she gives up because she don't want to repeat it a third time. And then Ava has to do it. So it works out sometimes. Do me a favor, will you, and just close your eyes as we close. Right where you're at, right where you're sitting. And then put your hands out in front of you. If you need to open your eyes and look at me, that's fine for a second. Hands out in front, palms up. Actually, let's start palms down. This is what you're signifying, and this is, this is what you're symbolizing and representing. There's stuff that's in your heart and in your soul and on you that is taking away from what God has for you. Maybe like me, 
<laughs> you're in self-pity like I was for a while about my hearing. And God cares about everything you're going through. But what do you need to release? Here's what I would ask. What is crowding out God in your life? I want you to release it hands down. What is it? Is it activities that you do too much of? Is it social media that you're on way too much? Is it, is it um, um, technology, Netflix? Oh, what, what's crowding out God? Why don't you have 10 minutes? Why don't I have 10 minutes to get alone with God and meditate? Give it to God. Ask him to take it from you. God, we release to you anything keeping us from you. God, we release anything that, that is all of the devil. Anything noisy causing us not to hear. Oh my gosh, I can relate. Anything keeping us busy or in a hurry, running to and from. Oh, because if we don't do it, the world's going to stop rotating. No, no, no. God, we're not focusing on things that, that we think we must do. We're, we're, we're focusing on things that you're showing us we must do. Help us be disciplined enough to meditate on you and your word. To, di to, to be disciplined enough to, to meditate on past provision. Oh my, if there's people here and they're breathing, their heart's beating, you're not done. Someone walked in here so depressed, so like Elijah, and that's why you brought them here. You're speaking truth into their life. You're speaking hope into their life. You're speaking purpose into their life. God, we release anything keeping us from you. In Jesus' name, church, now turn your, turn your hands, palms up. This is a posture where you're going to receive from the Lord. And what we want to receive is what we just read in Philippians 4.8. God, you, you send to us things that are true, that are pure, things that are lovely, praiseworthy, of virtue. God, we receive it. The word of God that went forth today, God, we receive it. The truth in a world that will give us nothing but lies and negativity, God, we receive a positive, praiseworthy report from you. You're still God and you're still good and you are in love with us. Despite where we've been, despite what we've done, we receive that. We receive all the goodness from you. We receive your word and your truth. We receive it. Hope. Without it, we're, we're dead, but with it, all things are possible in Christ. We receive hope in any situation that seems hopeless. Let me pray for you, church. God, I thank you for the word and truth. I thank you for your love. I thank you for Elijah's example. What are, I, I love the Bible because it's not like, oh, look at these great people. They did great things, and they never screwed up. They were so jacked up. Moses killed a guy. I haven't done that. God, Elijah was a train wreck, depressed, suicidal prophet who cried out to you for death and all you fed him was life. All you showed him was compassion and hope and direction and love. We want those things, God. Show them to us. Give them to us. And God, give, here, here's this. Give us the courage and the strength and the fortitude to obey what you tell us to do because that's really the key. You'll speak to to everybody individually on purpose give us the strength to do what you say in jesus name i pray and the church says amen hey i want to thank you so much 
for watching today, but don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.